Genesis chapter 7. And so the Lord said to Noah, Come you and all your house into the ark. For in you have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Now of the clean beast you shall bring by sevens, male with his female, Genesis 7, 1, 2. So seven pair of the clean beasts, and of the beasts that are not clean, by two, the male and his female, of the fowls of the air by sevens, the male and the female, to keep the seed alive upon the face of all the earth. For in seven days I will cause it to rain upon the earth for forty days and forty nights, and every living substance that I have made will I destroy from off the face of the earth. And Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. And Noah was six hundred years old when the flood waters were upon the earth. And Noah went in, and his sons, and his wife, and his sons' wives with him, into the ark, because of the waters of the flood. And of the clean beasts, and the beasts that were not clean, and the fowls, and everything that creeps upon the earth, there went in two and two unto Noah into the ark, the male and the female, as God had commanded Noah. And it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were upon the earth. In the 600 year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, the same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up, and the windows of heaven were opened. Genesis 7, 2 through 11. Now, you remember back in the first chapter of Genesis, there God set a space, the rockwa, the heavens separating the water, which were above the heavens, and the waters which were upon the earth. These waters now condensed and fell to the earth. But with that, the great fountains of the deep being broken up, there were great upheavals, no doubt, upward thrusts of mountain ranges. It could be at this time that the Himalayans did rise out of the sea as former mountain ranges collapsed into the sea. The pressure of the water as the body, the ocean bodies, were moved. The pressure pushing downward upon the new ocean beds would thrust up mountain ranges and would create a whole violent change in the geographical surface of the earth and i have no doubt but there there were many dramatic changes as far as geography is concerned at the time of the flood as mountain ranges would disappear the great fountains of the deep being broken up the rain descending the pressure of the new oceans and the changing of oceans and so forth would of course create great changes there used to be a vast ocean up in the area of middle North America, up in the area of Salt Lake. And they feel that that's all that's left from an ocean, a very vast ocean. So you go over to the south rim of the canyon there and you find at the 8,000 foot level, fossil remains of sea fish, shells, mollusks, and, and so forth. So that that area was once covered by a vast ocean. And dinosaurs lived around its edges. The Painted Desert is an interesting area to search for artifacts. And it would be fun and interesting to go and search for the remains of the dinosaurs one day that were once around the shores of that vast ocean that was up in the area in the vast sea, whichever the case may be. But there have been great cataclysmic changes, upward thrusts, pressures by the water changing its beds, and so on. And all testify to the truth, the biblical account of their one time being a great cataclysmic upheaval in which the fountains of the deep were opened, changes of the ocean floors, changes of mountain ranges, 
upward thrust, other areas sinking and disappearing. It could be at that the loss the lost continent of Atlantis, that there is in reality a basis of fact that this did exist, and they could have been eliminated by this great flood, by the whole change of the structure. They have found in the middle of the Atlantic vast beds of sand, and you only have sand on the seashore, because it's caused by the action of the movement of the water wearing down the rocks and so forth, wearing down the granite. Much of the sea is covered by silt through centuries, just the silt settling down to the bottom of the ocean. But these great beds of sand are something they can't explain. Out in the middle of the Atlantic, showing that at one time it was a beach, a seashore. Why isn't it covered by several feet of silt? How did it get there? All interesting things that scientists have not yet figured out, but the flood with the changes of the surface of the earth would easily explain all of this. So the great fountains of the deep were broken up. The windows of heaven were opened, and the rain was upon the earth for forty days and forty nights. And in the selfsame day entered Noah and Shem and Ham and Japheth, the son of Noah, and Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons with them, into the ark. They and every beast after his kind, and all the cattle after their kind, and every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth after his kind, every fowl after his kind, every bird of every sort, Genesis seven twelve through 14. I only wish that I could have gotten to see and gotten those two fleas at that one time. We would never have fleas again. <laughs> and they went into unto Noah into the ark, two and two of all flesh, wherein is the breath of life. And they went in, went in male and female of all flesh, as God had commanded him. And the Lord shut the door. And the flood was for forty days upon the earth, and the waters increased and bare up the ark. And it was lifted up above the earth, and the waters prevailed and increased greatly upon the earth. And the ark went up upon the face of the waters. So it was floating. And the waters prevailed exceedingly upon the earth. All the high hills that were under the whole heaven were covered. Fifteen cubits upward did the water prevail, and the mountains were covered. Genesis seven fifteen through 20. Now, there are some who try to make this a local flood. That it only happened in the Babylonian plain. Well, then, why would God put Noah to the job of building such a big boat? Why didn't he say, hey, Noah. Move over to the next plane, will you? Over to the next mountain range, you know, and get out of that valley over there because this thing is going to get flooded. And how could the ark be deposited on Mount Ararat? And how could the waters cover Mount Ararat 15 feet above, which is 17,000 feet high? How could the waters just be piled up in that one area without being dispersed around the face of the earth? So those who try to make this a local flood have many problems. Why bring all the animals in? It would not at all be necessary if it were just a localized flood. But evidence, of course, the scripture declares it was a worldwide flood, and evidence would seem to go along with that scripture. That is, the whales being found in Vermont, 500 feet above sea level, and the caverns in Maryland, and things of this nature with the various animals thrust in and broken up. The flood was forty days upon the earth. The water increased. Bear the ark, it was lifted up above the earth. 
the waters prevailed and were increased greatly upon the earth. The ark went upon the face of the waters, and the waters prevailed exceedingly upon the earth. All the high hills that were under the whole heaven were covered. Fifteen cubits upward did the waters prevail, and the mountains were covered. That is fifteen feet above the highest mountain. And all flesh died that moved upon the earth, both of fowl and cattle and beast and every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth, and every man, all in whose nostrils was the breath of life, of all that was in the dry land, died. And every living substance was destroyed which was upon the face of the ground, both man and cattle and creeping thing, the fowl of heaven, they were destroyed from the earth. And Noah only remained, and they that were with him in the ark. And the waters prevailed upon the earth for a hundred and fifty days. Genesis seven twenty one through 24. Almost half a year the waters prevailed upon the earth. So during this time of great cataclysmic upheaval. Now Jesus, when talking to his disciples about the signs of his coming and the end of the world, said, As it was in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of man, the son of man, be. Matthew twenty four thirty seven. The days of Noah were days of rapid population explosion. It came to pass in those, in those days when men began to multiply upon the face of the earth. Genesis 6.1. Population explosion during Noah's days. The days of Noah were days of abnormal sexual behavior. The sons of God seen the daughters of men. Jesus said that there were days in which marriage vows were cast aside and men were marrying and giving in marriage or live-in type of relationships, not honoring the marriage vows, casting them aside. The days of Noah were days of wickedness, man's mind being evil continually. They were days of corruption and they were days of violence. As it was in the days of Noah, so it is today. Noah was to be a sign of the coming of Jesus Christ. I believe that Noah also gives to us another sign of sorts. For Noah was upon the earth at the time of God's great judgment and the earth because of the wickedness. And God is going to again judge the earth because of wickedness. But I do not believe that Noah is the type of the church that God preserves during his period of judgment. There is a group that God is going to preserve during the period of coming judgment that will be sheltered by God. And these are the 144,000, the Israelites who will be sealed by God and be sheltered from many of the judgments of God that are coming. That seal upon their forehead, the name of God upon their forehead, will be, as it were, an ark. But I believe that Enoch is a type of the church who walked with God and was not, for God took him. But before God took him, he had this testimony that he pleased God, and Enoch was taken up before the flood, before the judgment of God, being a type of the church, and Noah, the type of the 144,000 Israelites that are sealed, is protected by God and taken through the judgment of God that is coming upon the earth, even as the 144,000 will be protected and taken through. The interesting thing to me is that God placed Noah in the ark and he shut the door. The Bible says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. He was preaching to those people during the hundred-year period that he was building the ark, warning them of God's impending judgment that was to come. But the people no doubt scoffed at Noah and laughed at his warnings and mocked the crazy old coot building a big boat out in the area where there was no water. 
But Noah, by faith, built the boat to the saving of his family. It brought salvation because he obeyed God, and God shut him in. At that point, the die was cast. Noah, his family, safe inside. The others on the outside, it's too late. That marked an interesting day between the mercy and the grace and the patience of God, and now the necessary judgment. For God said, My spirit shall not always strive with man. God's spirit does strive with man. That in itself is a miracle and a marvel. Why should God strive with me? Who am I that God should strive with me? And who are you that God should strive with you? What a miracle of grace that God would even strive with man. What a marvelous demonstration of his condescension of his love and of his concern that God would even bother to strive with man. But what an awesome and solemn warning. God's Spirit won't always strive with you. In Hebrews, we read of those who have done despite to the Spirit of grace, who have counted the blood of the covenant wherein Jesus was sanctified an unholy thing, done despite to the Spirit of grace. And there remains for them that certain looking forward to the fiery indignation of the wrath of God by which his enemies shall be devoured. For if he who despised Moses' law perished in the mouth of two or three witnesses, how much sore punishment, suppose you, he should be counted worthy who has trodden underfoot the Son of God, counted the blood of his covenant an unholy thing, done despite to that spirit of grace that's been dealing with his heart. Hebrews 10, 27 through 29. God's spirit will not always strive with man. There is a time we know, not when, a line we know, not where, that marks the destiny of men between sorrow and despair. There is a line, though by man unseen, once it has been crossed, even God himself in all his love has sworn that all is lost. It's possible for you to say no once too many times. It's possible for you to do despite to the spirit of grace. It's possible for you to cross that line between the grace and the mercy and the patience and the long suffering of God and the judgment of God. There came that day when Noah went in and God shut the door. What a glorious day when God shuts us into himself, to that ark of refuge that he has provided for us through our Lord Jesus Christ. And I become a part of his beautiful kingdom through faith. May God, by his Holy Spirit, speak to each of us as we continue our journey through Genesis. Father, we thank you for the privilege of studying your word together. Looking over these interesting things, thank you for the record, Lord, that leads us to Jesus Christ and eternal life in him. Lord, let your spirit, your Holy Spirit, now implant upon our hearts your truth. In Jesus' name, amen.